The reason why people fail in delegating or outsourcing is not because they didn't have the money or the business, it wasn't enough ROI. It's usually missed expectations. So I would say in the start of the process, we talk to the client and ask them if they have a documented and repeatable process that they can pass off to someone virtually. This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes, and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes, and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. Let's face it, there's never enough time in the day to accomplish everything on your to-do list. And what if you could buy back time? That's the core premise behind delegating tasks either internally or outsourcing externally. And over the last few years, my dear friend Carla Singson has become my secret weapon to help with either hiring the right talent for teams through her company proximity placements, as well as outsourcing through her company Scalewind. She comes with over a decade of experience starting and building physical and online businesses in the retail, project management, and outsourcing space. And her most recent win is bringing her outsourcing company Scalewind from zero to seven figures in revenue in a little over a year without ads. So Carla, welcome to the show. Hi, Uli. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I love connecting with you. Uh, you and I have worked for years together, hiring talent for our clients. I think I must have hired over 25 or 35 people through your team alone. So you always come through. And I want to start with really your entrepreneurial upbringing before we dig into today's topic about delegating effectively, because I think you'd truly honed your skills to delegate and hire and train staff that way. So why don't we start there? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in the Philippines in this city called Davao. So it's not even like the capital. And unfortunately, I was not really a good fit for employment. In fact, the only job I had <laughs> was a copywriter for an ad agency. And I only had that job for eight months. And when they said that there's going to be more stricter rules about the dress code and stuff like that, I just didn't want anything of it. So I quit my job and I pursued a freelancer journey and I started businesses. So I started a flower shop, which eventually became a physical business. And I also started an events company and then eventually an outsourcing company in 2016. So all throughout those years, I've had a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've probably hired hundreds of people, probably over a thousand, not just full-time employees, contractors. When I was doing events, sometimes we would hire and vet suppliers and we would have really big clients like the United Nations, we're a United Nations accredited supplier. I did concerts with like 9,000 people. So the vetting of the people that's going to be part of your team, the vetting of Every single contractor, I was lucky to have had that experience and bring it to a fully remote business right now. That's my journey. And of course, as a personal journey, I am the eldest child of an Asian family. So to anyone who's looking to hire really good project managers, ask if they are an eldest child. And that's a plus on their resume. <laughs> Great. Yeah, let's talk about maybe more specifically about 
your company proximity placements and the mission for that and what you do there. Because I think what you're doing is so amazing. It helps so many people. And I know that staffing agency, finding people is really what I call my secret weapon for both my own business and other businesses that uh, you make it so easy to find the right talent. Yeah. My business proximity placements, we do managed outsourcing. So half of the magic or the success really comes in the recruitment and onboarding. So we put a lot of effort and love in the vetting of the candidate, even the copywriting. Like we literally do copywriting for announcing the job description because you have to attract the perfect candidate and the match has to be really good. Running the background checks and all that. So we really put a lot of work into that. And of course, we work with a client to perfect the systems for documentation, training, empowering the team, you know, giving feedback and all that. We work with a client. So in the first month of engagement, there is a lot of consulting happening on the part of really getting the right person for the right role. Because sometimes it's not even the right role that someone needs. A lot of clients come to me and say, I need a virtual assistant, but they actually need an ad account specialist or a project manager, right? So helping the client getting to the right role is also part of what we do. And all of these things go hand in hand in having a successful hire. And so obviously that was how I came to know you several years ago. And then the more recently you took this then one step further that you said, sometimes it's just more effective to outsource something outright to a company so that the job is handled externally. So you don't have to hire somebody. You don't have to train somebody. If you have repeating processes, then that sometimes might be the better fit. Yes, absolutely. So proximity is going to open proximity outsourcing where we do really like outsourced work and there's more support and KPI management. We are going to do profit first outsourcing where we hire, place, monitor, and manage people that really directly contribute to your bottom line. We're going to be launching that brand this January, and it's going to really be like a beefed up version of just placements and matching. It's going to be really like helping businesses scale fast and easy. If you just want something turnkey, if you're a visionary and you have so many ideas for growth, you know, you can just have people who are ready to take on the job and a management team to take care of your KPIs. Great, great, great. And so having said now this, that we talk about your experience in hiring and training people, I wanted to actually talk really about the science of really effectively delegating. Because one of the things that we oftentimes see is that, okay, you hired the person, presumably you hired the right person for the job, but then so if things fall apart that the person hiring says, I hired the right person, they should be able to doing it and they're not giving really the guidance. They may not be the documentation in place. So I really want to use this episode to unpack what you have learned from delegating effectively. How do you make sure that once somebody is hired, that they actually contribute productively to a team? Yeah, I love that. I love that because... The reason why people fail in delegating or outsourcing is not because they didn't have the money or the business, it wasn't enough ROI. It's usually missed expectations. So I would say in the start of the process, we talk to the client and ask them if they have a documented and repeatable process that they can pass off to someone virtually. 
And then that is outsourcing. So that's a yes or no question, right? So if they say yes, absolutely, I have that. So I'm like, great. So we'll take a look at it. And then whatever results you have right now in-house, we'll, our promise is getting the same results or better. And then they're happy <laughs> because their expectations are set. Now, if they say no, we're going to have to be upfront with them and tell them, well, we'll help you out in improving this process in documentation. We'll give you advice. We'll hire the per person that's perfect for you. But there's going to be a lot of trial and error. So you got to be on board with us in providing feedback. And so on the first, this is really crucial. Right now, I require my clients for the first two weeks to get on a daily 30-minute stand-up call with my team. Every day, they have to give me 30 minutes for the first two weeks. And that will really, let's, oh, yesterday didn't work out. These are the mistakes and this is how we're going to improve it. And so every day you're just improving every day. And so that's 10 days, 10 working days. And if you improve 10%, which is really low, if you improve 10% per day, that's a lot of improvement and, and until we get to a process that works. So I would say documented and repeatable process is number one. So if a client already has that in their business and they just don't want to do it themselves, that's easy. If not, we set the expectation that we're going to trial and error for you. But the good thing is you're not doing it alone and you have our guidance. And of course, along the way, we, we just always talk to them, set their expectations and help them out. And so just to recap for everyone listening, that the, the key thing is, as Kala said, documented and repeatable processes. So when you're thinking about what do I want to delegate? If there's a task that only happens once a year and is very intricate, probably the worst thing to delegate because it, the amount of time it takes you to explain what needs to happen by the time it actually needs to be done, a year has passed. So it's really important to focus on repeatable, recurring processes that happen every day. Could be social media, could be basic business tasks that happen each and every day. Those are ideal to delegate because it is worth your investment to train that person and make sure that the process gets executed right, because then you're really getting big ROI out of it. Absolutely. What are some of the other things that you see fall through the cracks? You know, I assume that these daily stand-up meetings, they arrived for a reason that, you know, you notice that here's what normally happens if you don't improve over the first two weeks. So let's go maybe a little bit more granular into what happens over these two weeks. What are sort of some of the common things that entrepreneurs don't appreciate when it comes to delegating that maybe start with expectation that what do they normally expect that is derailing things? Yeah. First of all, we usually set the expectations on the working hours. So we tell the clients, what do you prefer as for working hours? Like in our company, you can hire as low as 10 hours a week with us. So that is our minimum engagement. And so that would amount to about two hours a day, but it has to be a block time. It can't be like, oh, I want them to open the shop and <laughs> answer inquiries at 8 a.m. and at 5 p.m. Like, that's just super weird. But we can do 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. for you. And, and that will be their daily, you know, reporting time. We always prefer for the time expectation to be set because most of our successful clients don't like micromanaging their virtual assistants, right? Like nobody wants to do that. Like it's just another job. However, the time expectation is just for if they're asking something or if they have an expectation on when their virtual assistant can reply to them. 
in that hour, the virtual assistant is dedicated to you because I am not like, I allow my virtual assistants to take jobs somewhere else. Like whatever you need to do for your family, right? Like I don't own your time. And if you're with me part-time and we do business part-time. So as long as the client is happy and the client's expectations are met with the block time, I'm happy about that. The other important expectation is expectations of reporting. How do you want the reporting to be done? So some clients prefer end-of-day reports through email. Some clients want to do end-of-day reports through WhatsApp So because they're more mobile. They just want to see it on their phone. Some clients want to use Slack. That's also really important because what people really want to learn at the end of the day is that tasks are getting done. At the end of the day, if you're looking to outsource or delegate, what you're really looking for is peace of mind that this thing that you're supposed to do is getting done by someone else. So that's why you invest in it. I would say number three in terms of expectations, the outputs, very important, the outputs. So in the start of the onboarding, we usually spend time working with a client on submission of the output that they want. So for example, we have this one client who is a life coach and she's such a visionary. She's a little scatterbrained and she knows it. And she always does her copy requests for her copywriter on Facebook Messenger. But then it sometimes they would talk about random stuff like, like boys or whatever, right? Like their normal life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it gets lost. And so the writer would have to scroll up and find the request and it's just very inefficient. So what we did is we told the client to develop a simple Google form for when she requests copy and then she can follow up through the messenger. So deciding on what the output looks like, where the output is sent, what time the output should be sent, what exactly is the output, it's also very important in expectation management. Yeah, and I think this is ultimately, if you're listening to this and wondering, how do I get started? The first part is really the documentation part. Do you have a repeatable documented process? A, is it repeatable? Yes, check mark. Okay, go to next box. Now, is it documented? And can we talk about what kind of SOP standard operating procedures or in an ideal world, what should be documented? Because that is... Believe it or not, one of the first stumbling blocks. Well, I don't even know how to document things. Yeah, I'm really a big fan of Loom videos. So it's really simple and it saves you from a lot of face-to-face and repeated face-to-face calls. So I love Loom videos. And you guys, don't be intimidated by tech. Like, honestly, I am a technomoron. <laughs> and that's why I love doing Loom videos or even a screen record from your phone. The iPhone has a screen record. So if that works for you, if it's easy for you, you can do that. This is the mindset that you should have in mind. Of course, have your templates and that's part of documentation templates on Google Docs, put them all in one drive. But the mindset that you should have is if your virtual assistant or if your employee contractor has to be out for a medical emergency, you need to be able to pass this on to someone else. And that person should learn this in an hour or two, max. So I want you to operate with that mindset. Like, what things do I need to prepare? You know that mindset when a member of your family has to go to the hospital and you're packing this like hospital bag and you're also making sure that your house is going to be fine. That is the mindset. You need to 
you need to have everything in one Google Drive and be able to pass that off to someone who will have the base skills to do it just in case your VA has to be gone. That's the best mindset to operate with. And if you hire a managed outsourcing company like us, then someone can help you out. But if you're doing this yourself, overdo it. It's always good to overdo the preparation than to not do it enough. Yeah, I love that suggestion. And that's what we do too. I must have recorded probably over 160,000 Loom <laughs> videos in our corporate account between all the 20 team members. So we love Loom. Loom is really great that you just press a button, it records your screen, mm -hmm. and then you just do the task the, the way you've always been doing it. And so just having somebody look over your shoulder and be able to see, click here, click there. And then as you're going through it, you realize, okay, explain a little bit why you picked this button and not that button, or that you ignored this one box and not the other one, yeah. that people can see what's supposed to happen when you click on this button. How do you go through the process? And just having somebody look over your shoulder is a great first start. At least there's a video outline what to do. And then obviously for recurring tasks that can be transcribed, can be turned into a written outline that's maybe a little bit easier to follow so that people don't have to watch it. But that's the great starting point. Yeah. What do people normally forget to include in an SOP or standard operating procedure that makes contractors' life so much harder? I love that question because the mindset or the general emotion when we are outsourcing or when we're deciding to outsource is overwhelmed. And so usually people that outsource or decide to outsource, they just need this done. They just need this done. So they themselves are actually being inefficient at creating the documentation and creating the trainings, even these Loom videos. And one thing that they usually, a lot of my clients make this mistake before they hire us, is not explaining principles, premises, nuances, context. So sometimes that explanation, we forget it because if, especially if you're a solopreneur and you're so used to working so much, things just click in your head because you're in it for so long. But if you're passing this off to someone new, you have to explain that. So what happens is that people create these templates, documentation, Loom videos, and they go through it through so fast. And then they forget to explain certain things. Even the mere fact, even a small context like for example, this client has a child with autism, so he is actually very busy and he might text on weird hours of the day. Just ignore it. He doesn't mean to be disrespectful. Like explaining these things, because it would also make the VA unhappy. They have to understand to the core why they're doing this thing, like how this task contributes to the whole vision or growth of the company. So understanding each task to the core and each nuance and each part of where they could get confused. That is really important. A lot of people really forget communicating these things because we just want it done. Some of the clients are like, oh, Carla made me do this. So I just, here it is. <laughs> right. So yeah. that's it. I always find that when I create SOPs that it, it may be for a small task that only takes five minutes mm -hmm. and the explainer video is 15 minutes long. It's mm -hmm. three times as long as the actual task. But the other 10 minutes, you know, obviously I spent five minutes going through the task. Mm -hmm. 
that needs to happen. But the other 10 minutes, I'm explaining all these nuances and saying, hey, make sure you don't click here. This is okay to ignore because I'm trying to anticipate all the stumbling blocks that the VA has. It's like, what do I do here? What do I do there? So I actually don't want to have to go back and explain it after the fact. So I'm trying to anticipate, okay, where could they get hung up? Right. Where is the ambiguity in the software? I also don't want them to spend 10 hours learning the software. So I tell them, click here, click here, don't click there. Use this part, not that part. So think of the SOP really as a way for you to save the VA time to learn anything new, which again is much more efficient, right? You don't spend the VA's time on learning things that they don't need to learn. Yes, absolutely. And I like that. I like what you're doing. If you can start off your SOP or your documentation process, Google Drive, for example, you started off with like, just have a video, just have like a principles video. Like, why are we doing this? What is our company? What is our vision? You know, how do we really help our clients and stuff like that? I had a conversation with my operations manager today at Proximity. We have one client who was unhappy with the reporting of his VA. And we were trying to help him out. And the VA, I think the VA accidentally deleted documents in her time tracker, something like that. So there was a question of, was she really doing the job or not? And we we're trying to get to the bottom of it, helping the client out. And so my operations manager just quickly said, okay, well, I don't want the client to cancel. So I'll, I'll handle him and I will pause his billing and I will tell him about that and I will investigate. And that was good. Okay. But I told her, but you need to, you need to talk to him more and you need to talk to the VA and you need to get all of the angles of this. And you need to also reassure the client and tell him that we're acting on his best interest. Also, at the same time, you need to reassure the VA that she will not be losing her job. Like, let's just figure this out what happened. But if you think that the VA was quote unquote, like cheating on her hours, then you have to make the call, but also explain this to the client. So I had to like have this speech, like a 10 minute speech with her to really get to the core of it. She knew what to do, but I needed her to understand the whole context. So that's also really important. Yeah. And I think this is a nice transition to my next question, because all too often, Despite our best intentions, the best SOPs and uh -huh. documentation, when it then comes to delegate, one of the key things is that a lot of entrepreneurs expect that a single instruction is enough and the VA should be able to do it perfectly after and not really accounting for it's a learning process. It's happening over some time and that mistakes will be made. So let's talk about the importance of providing feedback to the VA and maybe something that you told me back in 2016, specifically when it comes to giving feedback to Filipino VAs. Mm, yeah, I love that. So I'm Filipina. I grew up in the Philippines. Even though my circle DNA said I was 65% Chinese, I'm still super Filipino. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we outsource only to the Philippines for now. But I would say feedback is very important. First of all, if you're hiring in the Philippines or if you're outsourcing to a developing country, because it's easier for your company to scale if you outsource to different time zones or a different place, a different area, you have to make them believe that they're there for a reason and that you have absolute trust in their intelligence. Because people like us who grew up in developing countries, 
most of us grew up poor, we always second guess ourselves and we always generally have this feeling of not being enough, especially I'm going to go a little bit deeper, especially if the country has been colonized many times, like Philippines. We've been colonized by Spain, America, Japan. And, uh, and so there's just this generational belief that we're not good enough or we'll always be some sort of slaves or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I would say start off, you know, with your empowering your team and reminding them that you trust the absolute trust of, in their, of their intelligence and that you are entrusting a part of your vision and a part of your dream to them. And that is an honor. And also start with gratitude. Tell them that you are grateful that they're literally, if they're working for you for full time, they're literally spending a third of their lives, eight hours a day, eight hours out of 24 hours, that you honor them and that you honor that, that they're spending a third of their day helping you build your vision, not theirs. And so start off with this talk. It makes a relationship so good yeah. and, and rich, and rich with like just positive. And then communicate your vision to them. Communicate your vision of your company and then when you provide feedback to them, tell them that you're going to be doing a lot of feedback on the first month, but also that you're 100% there to help them. So the communication should be, you are my VA, but I'm here to help you succeed in your role. So encourage them to voice out their concerns or even share their opinion if there's something that needs to be improved. Because once again, you trust their intelligence. And this is really important. Really use the word intelligence because a lot of people need to be reminded that they're intelligent. They're not just there to do a job, to staple, to photocopy. Like they're, they're there for an important task. Yeah. yeah. So encourage them and then make it really easy for them and safe for them to provide feedback. Every time they, there is a task that they don't do right, the question that you should be asking them immediately is, what are your roadblocks and challenges and how can I help? So if you're the boss, you're the CEO, but if you're always super helpful, it's easy to really get their buy-in because they, you know, you're there to guide them. And if your question is direct, so that question is super direct. Like what's stopping you? The tone is like, I want to help you. But if I was an, a mom yelling to my child with a bad tone, like, why didn't you wash these dishes? What is stopping you? You have so much time. So that's a different tone, right? But you're asking the same thing. You're telling them, why aren't you doing this? Literally, but you're doing it in a loving and supportive way. So, and then they will tell you, oh, I wasn't able to do this because of that. So you help them get over that challenge. Yeah, I love this. And has served me personally well, does not matter what nationality your team is, just coming to your team with that attitude of, respect, uh, believing into their intelligence, expecting subconsciously, I hired you because I trust your intelligence and you'll be able to figure it out. And sometimes there's mistakes that happen. That's cool. We'll Uh figure out why they happened and how to prevent it, creating a safe space. This is so important. And ultimately, you know, as German, I always (laughs) find we were known to be very direct, right? We call it constructive criticism. And then it's like, we don't want to go to the boss. We actually go to our coworker and tell them how they can do their job better. And I, I've recognized this is maybe not the best way to do it in America. But what I realized is that everyone will appreciate if you come with this helpful attitude. It's like, I want to help you address it. It's like, hey, I like your first attempt at how you solved it. Can we try another way? 
So not making them feel bad the way they did it, right. just saying this is just one out of an infinite number of ways of doing the job and, and recognizing for yourself that the way you do it as an entrepreneur might not even be the best way of doing it. And so if you're saying, hey, I just want it exactly my way, you're kind of wasting the opportunity for your team to actually find a better way and change ways. So I would tell my team always, listen, you're doing the job, you know best how to make it better. I want you to make it better. Don't wait for me to tell me how to make it better. Keep thinking. If this were your business, what would you do? Yeah. One of my other favorite questions is, what was your thought process in this? Mm. The other thing that I love to learn is how, how they think, how they thought this through. I always encourage my team to come up with their own solutions. A lot of my team members will, will really tell you about this. I never give them answers, even though I have it. I try to guide them to, unless it's super rush and I'm doing a launch, like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. But I always ask them, what was your thought process in this? So sometimes they would be scared to tell you because they would probably realize like, oh God, I effed up. Like, uh, <laughs> but, but that this is why, this is why you should provide a safe environment for, for feedback goes both ways, goes both ways. So they should also be able to give you feedback as a boss. Yeah. You've been coaching me along the years uh, through <laughs> all our interactions. So I really appreciate that part because as you said, sometimes the boss needs to encourage feedback too, right? You know, it can't be just you giving as a boss feedback on everyone else's job. You have to be open to receive that feedback too, how to be a better boss and make that happen. So I love all the things that you shared. Where can people find more about proximity? Who's a good fit? Anything you want to share, how people can get in touch with you? Absolutely. So I had so much fun recording this, by the way, and it made me think a lot about my experience and, and just made me cherish all and made me acknowledge that I really actually love what I do. Because even telling these stories just brings a smile to my face and I love sharing this experience. So thank you. So I hang out a lot on Facebook. You can find me, Carla Singson, or my company, proximityplacements.com, proximityoutsourcing.com. We will be launching our subscription plans for turnkey virtual assistants, project managers, and appointment setters. We outsource to the Philippines. They can work at any time zone and we'll match you with the perfect person that will help you scale fast and easy. We'll take care of the hiring, recruitment, and planning this whole thing with you. And you mentioned Uli's podcast. We'll give you $300 off on your first month. And uh, as a way to thank you for supporting this podcast, this is an awesome podcast and I'm super grateful to be here. Well, thank you so much for that amazing offer, Carla. I'm sure we'll have you back on the podcast in a little bit to talk about other issues and interesting topics related to entrepreneurships. <laughs> this is one of the things I really love about you. You are the truest entrepreneur. Oh. You have so many businesses. You're so successful in so many different things. And I wish we could talk about some of your more arcane businesses <laughs> that you know really show how crafty you are. Um, so I love this. And for everyone listening, I hope you got a lot out of this episode and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye. I believe mastering persuasion is one of the most essential skills in life and certainly in business because nothing ever happens without a yes. 
Yet we can only effectively influence other people's decisions when we truly understand how the brain makes those decisions. Once you master the decision-making formula, your message becomes ever more clear and influential. Join us next week for our newest episode of Getting to Yes. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. And feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Iselo. See you next week.